Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. I'm Connie Young with Young Ranch in Bandera, Texas, and we're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, heat and drought have taken a toll on agriculture in the Concho Valley. I recently traveled to San Angelo and Tom Green County to get an update on what effect drought has had on both livestock and crops in the area. We'll bring you that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Making the farm bill stronger by fighting fraud. A Texas Panhandle congressman says that's his objective. I'm James Hunt and we'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Managing dairy cattle during the dry period when they are not milked. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have a report on some advice to dairy producers on keeping their cows healthy during this time on Texas Ag Today. The coastal bend cotton harvest was interrupted by Tropical Storm Harold. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. San Angelo has been setting record high temperatures all summer long and that heat is taking a big toll on agriculture there in Tom Green County. Texas A&M AgriLife County Agent Josh Blanick says livestock numbers in the county continue to drop. Well, to be honest, I mean, we're really struggling, like you said, uh, just day after day of 100 plus degrees, no rain to speak of since May, really. Livestock numbers are down from last year and continue to go down as we just keep culling, getting them off the pastures, just having to rest pastures because we're out of grass. Like most of Texas, they did get some good moisture back in the spring, and that allowed some hay production. Yeah, we were able to get some hay put up early, but one cutting, and so hay supplies are short in this area. Tom Green County is ground zero for sheep and goat production here in Texas, and that industry is suffering as well. Sheep and goats are, are thin. There's little to no grazing out there. We just didn't grow enough grass early in the season when we had some moisture, and everything we've got now is burned up, low quality. So they're taking those animals to market. They're taking them lighter than they'd like to, hope to, but it's just what you got to do. Blanick says early planted grain sorghum did well in the county this year, but cotton is struggling. Hessian fly problems have been growing in central Texas, so wheat growers should take a hard look at battling the insect as the new crop starts going in the ground next month. 
Westbred wheat agronomist John Fenderson says it's something that we can address at planting. Absolutely, Gary. Ash and fly has become a near pandemic in the Blacklands and certainly is an issue through the rolling plains of Texas. Not really an issue out on the high plains, but they do still have aphids that can cause some problems. But primarily talking about Hessian fly, applications of products containing gaucho and or cruiser will help to mitigate some of that early pressure. Maybe for 30, 45 days after you plant that seed, you'll get some protection on Hessian fly. And that treatment can also give protection against certain aphids be that green bug or bird cherry oat aphid. And a bird cherry oat aphid is especially important for us because it carries the barley yellow dwarf virus. And even though it's not going to cure that problem, I've certainly seen in the past that application of seed applied insecticides will reduce the pressure that we can get from barley yellow dwarf. Uh, especially in the fall, and that's that's the infection time that really causes problems. That's John Fenderson. He's a Westbred wheat agronomist covering Texas. The Farm Bill can be made stronger by fighting fraud. James Hunt tells us that's the goal of a Texas panhandle congressman. One thing you hear a lot from farmers and the groups that represent them is this. In the next Farm Bill, Congress needs to raise reference prices. But making such a move to strengthen the safety net for producers would require finding more money for producer assistance programs. How to get that money? Panhandle Congressman Ronnie Jackson wants to go after fraud in the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, also known as SNAP. Jackson says the Congressional Budget Office has acknowledged as much as 25% of SNAP spending is lost to fraud. The farm bill that we're going to put out this time is going to be about $1.5 trillion over 10 years. And 83% of that $1.5 trillion, essentially $1.25 trillion, is SNAP. If you have a 25% fraud rate on a number that big, there is a lot of money out there that can be recouped to go to the people that need it. Because, you know, a reminder here, we're not trying to cut SNAP. The fraud's going to people that it's not intended. It's going overseas. It's going to people that are stealing from the program. So if we could get some of that money back and recoup some of that fraud and fix that system, we would have enough money to even put more money into the SNAP side and help the people that need it and simultaneously increase the reference prices, increase the subsidies on crop insurance and everything else that we need to do to make sure that we keep production agriculture healthy. The current farm bill is set to expire at the end of September and Jackson says it's looking like an extension will be needed. He hopes the new farm bill can be wrapped up before the end of the year, but accomplishing that likely means having to work through some big differences between the version the House approves and the one that comes out of the Senate. I talked with the congressman at a meeting of local Farm Bureau leaders in Amarillo. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Managing dry cows is essential to a dairy herd health program. Tom Nicoletti has more. Quality management of dairy cattle during the dry period, a period when cattle are not milked, is a critical component of any utter health program. Dr. Jennifer Roberts, a professional services veterinarian with Beringer Ingelheim, talks about the importance of keeping cows healthy during the dry period and into freshening. The dry period is a period of time where cows can be especially susceptible to mastitis infections. 
And when cows experience cases of mastitis, this can create a pretty significant impact for the producer because of economic losses resulting from cost of treating that cow, lower milk production in the next lactation. We also have added labor associated with treating those cows. And then we can see increased somatic cell count as well as increased risk of culling from the herd. One of the things that happens during the dry period is that we're no longer monitoring that cow on a daily basis. We're not cleaning that cow's udder. And so we don't have as many opportunities to observe her. It puts her at higher risk. If we are not maintaining a good, clean, dry environment, it really increases their risk for environmental mastitis. One of the things that's key for that cow maintaining a healthy immune system is making sure that she's on a well-balanced plane of nutrition. And so working with a nutritionist to make sure that the ration is balanced and has all of those essential nutrients. Next, it's a good time at dry off to make sure that cows are up to date on all of their vaccinations. That is veterinarian Dr. Jennifer Roberts with Beringer Ingelheim. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The coastal band Cotton Harvest was interrupted by Tropical Storm Harold. Harvey Buring has an update from Corpus Christi. Folks, the coastal band area was in the serious grips of a drought like much of Texas, but thanks to Tropical Storm Harold, some much-needed rainfall came to the area. Many locations receiving between 3 and 6 inches of rain gave recharge to the crops that had been plowed out and also improving our situation for next year's crop as well as pasture and hay conditions. These generous tropical rains did put a smile on livestock producers' faces. The rains are going to bring some great grazing conditions, replenishing stock tanks, and our hay producers have a chance for a great fall hay crop. Coastal Bend farmers were near completion of their 2023 cotton harvest when the storm occurred on August the 22nd. It was estimated that as much as 80% of the cotton crop had been rolled up and out of the fields at the time the storm hit. The majority of the crop that remains in the fields was replanted cotton that failed to get those needed rains in June and July to meet its profitable yield potential. So producers in the coastal bend virtually complete with cotton harvest, but from the beginning our cotton crop was predicted to be below the five-year average. The lower prices at planting time resulted in fewer acres being planted. Some estimates were that we were down by 15 to 20 percent of the five-year average in cotton production here in the coastal bend, and you combine that with the droughty conditions, and it's likely that this year's crop may fall 20 to 25 percent below our five-year average. So far this season, the cotton classing office has been active and uh, has classified a little over 220,000 bales at the time the storm hit. They are expected to continue to receive bale samples uh, pretty briskly from the 30 operating gins in the area for the next three to four weeks. Reporting for Texas Ag Today from the Coastal Bend area, this has been Harvey Buring. Hunters in several additional Texas counties will be required to have their deer tested for chronic wasting disease this hunting season. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. 
And there's a new test that may help determine which horses will get osteoarthritis. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. The 2023 Texas Cattle Feeders Association Annual Convention will be here before we know it. TCFA invites you to this year's convention, October 8th through the 10th, at the Gaylord Texan in Grapevine, Texas. The 2023 convention boasts outstanding educational, informative, and networking opportunities. Register before September 7th to save on your registration and hotel room at the 2023 TCFA Annual Convention. Find more information by visiting www.tcfa.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. A new test has been developed that may determine which horses are predisposed to osteoarthritis. Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at the test. Osteoarthritis is a leading cause of pain and disease, especially in performance horses. Dr. Sarathra Adipu from Sweden has a goal of finding a biomarker to determine which horses are susceptible to osteoarthritis so the disease can be discovered earlier. X-rays of the bones do not show any changes in the very early stages, and she indicates in the horse publication that would allow owners to manage the disease better and quicker. The researchers discovered a protein called biglycan, or BGN, that could be a potential biomarker for arthritis, as BGN-262 seems to result from microscopic bone breakdown. It is difficult to extract this protein out of the joint fluid, so the researchers tried and were successful in finding the protein in saliva. The study involved 19 healthy standard-bred trotters without arthritis and compared results with nine sport horses with confirmed arthritis. They also collected samples from seven horses in Florida after exercise on two different types of footing, a sand fiber and sand-only arena. The researchers found that the BGN-262 levels were significantly higher in horses with osteoarthritis than those without. The protein started increasing during warm-up and peaked at intense exercise, but was normal one hour after exercise. Interestingly, when horses were tested on different footing, BGN-262 levels were higher when horses were worked on sand fiber arenas versus just plain sand arenas. Mechanical testing showed the sand fiber arenas are harder and more compact, which shows the negative impact of harder surfaces on the bones and joints. In the long term, Dr. Adipu indicates that hard surface use can affect cartilage and bone negatively. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Hunters in additional Texas counties will be required to have their deer tested for chronic wasting disease this hunting season. Jessica Domel has the details in today's Wildlife Report. This fall, when deer season opens up, hunters in several additional Texas counties will be required to take any deer they harvest to a chronic wasting disease check station before leaving the area. Late last week, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission approved the creation of new CWD containment and or surveillance zones in portions of Hunt, Kaufman, Bear, Sutton, Zavala, Frio, and Brooks counties. Alan Kane, Big Game Program Director for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, explains what the creation of these zones, and others created earlier this year, means for hunters. 
from a hunter perspective, there is no difference between a surveillance and a containment zone. Regardless of whatever zone you're in, if you're hunting and harvested deer, you have to have that deer sampled, mandatory sampling, and there's carcass movement restrictions that apply. Really, the difference between a containment and surveillance zone applies to breeding facilities, deer breeder rules about live animal movement. So containment zone, you can't move out of that zone if you're a deer breeder. If you're in a surveillance zone, you can, provided movement qualified status is met. There are also CWD containment and surveillance zones in the following counties, Duval, Gillespie, Hunt, Kimball, Limestone, Lubbock, and Valverde. There are also zones in the Panhandle, South Central Texas, and in the Trans-Pecos. White-tailed deer and mule deer hunters are encouraged to check out the TPWD website and or the outdoor annual before hunting to see if they're in an area where it is required to take their deer to a CWD check station after harvest. Additional details are available on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website under the Hunting tab. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. A big jump in the cattle market to kick off the trading week on Monday. We'll take a look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market headed higher to start the trading week on Monday. We finished higher on the live cattle market. The nearby August up two cents at 180.70. October up 37 at 181.55. December live cattle up 52 cents, 185.65. The real fireworks were in the feeder cattle market on Monday. We saw huge gains. Pushing feeder cattle back up into record territory. August feeders up 262 at 250.25. September feeder cattle jumped 307 to close at 254.27. With October feeders up 305, finishing at 257.02. Cash fed cattle market wrapping up last week, selling cattle here in Texas on Friday afternoon. The price mostly 179. That's fully steady with what we sold cattle the week before. When you look up north, dressed cattle sold at 292. That's about three bucks lower compared to the previous week. Boxed beef prices lower Monday. Choice down a dollar 18 at 316.72. Select down 23 cents 292.44. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. My guest, Rodney Butler, Beeville Livestock, sells them every Friday. Rodney, how'd this last Friday sale turn out, son? Man, we got along real good. Our numbers are low, just like I said the other night, Thursday, when we saw, I said we had some good rains in the area, but sure did have a good market, sir, on the cattle we had. Walk the pins with us. All right, your 200, 300 pound steers were 231 to 270, heifers 208 to 237. Your 300, 400 pound steers were 244 to 270, heifers 230 to 250. 400, 500 pound steers were 239 to 275, heifers 209 to 237. 500, 600 pound steers were 224 to 233, heifers were 203 to 222. Your 600 to 700 pound steers were 212 to 220, heifers $1.89 to 209. 
and your 700 to 800 pound steers were $1.87 to 205 and heifers were $1.68 to $1.80. Packer cows, sure enough, were steady and bulls. Cows brought from 67 to $1.06. Bulls brought from 69 to $1.19. We didn't have any bred cows or stocker cows, and we had one pair, and she brought twelve fifty, sir. Do you know of anything coming this week? Yes, sir, I do know of a set of calves coming. They're going to be black and black baldy calves. They'll probably be... Oh, anywhere from 60 to 70 of those. Uh, they're going to be good heavyweights. And I know of a few other small bunches coming this week, sir. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Rodney. Yeah, if I can help market your cattle, call me at 361-358-1727. Or you can reach me on my mobile, 645-5002. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Talk to you Thursday. Bye-bye. Neighbor, I do believe that's all she wrote, all the time we've got for walking the pens on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. That was Rodney Butler. I'm Larry Marble. Thanks for listening to us. You're doing so right now on Texas Ag Today. Thank you, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finished higher on Monday. October hogs up 202 at 81.85. December hogs up $1.40, 7342. Class three milk was lower. August milk down a penny at 1720, a hundred weight. September milk down nine at 1885 a hundred. Cotton market finished slightly lower. Looks like the market may be a bit overbought. However, traders are keeping a close eye on the path of Hurricane Idalia, waiting to see what kind of effect it may have on the southeast cotton crop. We close with October cotton down 44 points, 8707. December down 44 at 8687, with March cotton down 46. 86.73. Corn market got another boost from a hot and dry forecast for the Corn Belt. We close with September corn up seven and three quarters, 478 and a half. December corn up eight and a quarter, 496 and a quarter. With March corn up eight and a quarter, 511 a bushel. We saw a double digit drop in the hard wheat market on Monday. One of the big pressures on wheat prices right now looks to be another big harvest on the way from Russia. Not as big as last year's crop, but still, it's expected to be big enough to keep Russia as the dominant exporter of world wheat. September Kansas City wheat dropped 16 and a half to close at 737 and a half. September Chicago wheat down five and a quarter at 588 a bushel. In the energy market, September natural gas was up three cents, 257. October West Texas crude up 37 at 8020 a barrel. The financial markets were higher Monday afternoon. The Dow up 209 at 34,556. The NASDAQ up 107, 13,698, with the S&P up 25, 4,431. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at TexasFarmBureau.org or TFBRadio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.